Hello again. Welcome to Spotlight, a glow of colour in a black and white world. Spotlight, brought to you by the Isle of Man Arts Council. This evening we speak to Ireland anaesthetist turned author, Keith Wilkinson, about the pleasures and perils of writing and publishing your work. And we catch up with the happenings and fundings of the Isle of Man Arts Council, plus a bit of music from a forthcoming album by local muso Steve Nash. As always, do get in touch with any creative artistic endeavours you may be involved in, planning, hoping to create, or would really like to put in that spotlight. This spotlight, the spotlight, the programme on Mike's radio. Poetic, visual, theatrical, musical, literary, mime, or anything else, just email me spotlightmanxradio.com, or if you prefer, howardkane at manxradio.com, Kane with an E, and please do make use of it. So, if in doubt, read. That could be a good metaphor for a healthy life. It also, as it happens, is an instruction, as If In Doubt was the title of a book published last year by retired anaesthetist Dr Keith Wilkinson. Keith spent four decades working in this most critical and responsible of medical specialisms, 30 of those years here on the Isle of Man. After retiring, he filled in what must have been lots of empty hours by writing, amongst other things. He did a true crime book, Manx Murders, in 2003. I'm glad he did that after he retired. And then a book detailing in absorbing, sometimes funny and a very frank manner, the intricacies of a job which, unlike so many of our jobs, mine included in particular, one mistake can make the difference between life and death, rather than one angry listener in my case. Keith dropped by recently to talk about how the book had been received, how it came about, the writing process, and whether he would be tempted, as one reviewer had suggested, to put pen to paper again for another volume. Well, I'd thought about it for a while. Um, I wrote the other book, you know, the Manx Murders book years ago, but I had thought about writing another book. And then Peter Duffy, who's a urologist at the hospital, had a book published, which I read uh, maybe six, eight months before I retired. And that was one thing that made me think maybe I should try and write my book. Um, and I'd, So I started about three months before I retired and I thought it would be a way of kind of easing into retirement, give me something to do for the first few months. Um, and then I started and stopped and started again and eventually after about probably a year and a half I finished it. Um, but I thought I would try and make it interesting to not only doctors, you know, anaesthetists, the operating theatre staff, but to the general public who might be interested in hearing about uh, what an anaesthetist does. And what was your aim to sort of, to, to, I don't know, make it as realistic as possible or to look at the quirkier side of it or, or sort of uh, make it more glamorous? Or was a, did you have a particular sort of view of how you were going to actually colour it? No, not really. I tried to make it, um, just give a, a kind of broad overview of what an anaesthetist does. Um, our job as anaesthetists on the island is slightly different to other anaesthetists because we have to do a little bit of everything. So I tried to get that across in the book. So I talked about, you know, work in the intensive care unit, transferring patients over to Liverpool uh, in a plane, um, and a bit about the trauma in the TT and the Grand Prix and so on. Um, so I tried to get a just give an overview of what an anaesthetist does, but it, it, one of the most difficult things was to get the medical um, procedures described in a way that anyone could understand it so that was one of the difficult things so, but I tried to make it I hope uh, interesting and fairly easy read for for anyone 
Um, but no, I didn't have any particular plan about how to look at the, the quirky side of the job. Um, but I've tried to put put a few funny little anecdotes in, and to, so some of it's a bit lighthearted, I guess. But I, I, but the overall thing is quite serious, obviously. Yeah. But well, you say it was a book aimed at everyone, not just at medical professionals. Yeah, that's it's what I tried people, to do. Yeah, yeah. I tried to get you know some of my friends in the pub have read it, you know, and they said, "Oh, I really enjoyed it." And I said, "Did you understand all the?" And they said, "Well, once or twice, wasn't quite sure." But in general, they've got they seem to uh, understand the kind of procedures. Um, and I I went to my my. Uh, my daughters you know my friends and said can you just read that and see if you understand it and then they would come back and say well i didn't get this bit so i'd go back and try and reword it so i've tried to make but if, if you do that if you overdo that then other nieces or other doctors nurses might think oh this is like you know it, i'm not very happy about this so you've got to try and keep a happy medium i guess and i, I think i've i hope i've got managed to do that um, and how do you find the writing process? Because obviously it's it's one thing coming from spending you know thirty forty years of working life as a, a professional medic and then going to actually sort of writing a book. I mean, it's I'm sure you you were writing obviously as a, as a medic as well, but a very different skill set to actually come up with a book like this was it an easy swap. Did you find the process enjoyable, hard work, nightmarish? <laughs> well, it was it was all of those I, I think. But with having written the other book and spent about a year mm. writing that one, I had some experience of you know. Uh, of, of writing but um i would cut it, it would come in fits and starts so i'd get all enthusiastic and write i remember one in one fortnight i wrote like forty thousand words which is like half half of the book i was mm. aiming for in terms of length and then i did nothing for six months like lost interest in it completely and then i went back and did and so and so that was one thing it was kind of it wasn't a constant thing um you know every day um but my daughter's an english teacher qe2 and she helped me a lot with with parts of it, in terms of you know giving advice on whether I should include bits and how I should word them. So that was that was nice having her to help me. Um, but yeah, I think because I'd had the other, I've been reading books, you know, mainly true crime books since I was ten or ten or eleven. Um, so I've read like thousands of books, obviously, and I think help writing the other book helped. And I tried to write another book about a man who'd been on death row for 23 years. Uh, and that's, all, all those things helped, I think. Um, and writing, of course, writing about my career, about the work I've been doing for the last 37 years as an anaesthetist, was, um, that was a lot easier than writing about some of the other things I wrote about in the first book, in the Manx Murders book. Um, so that's yeah that was that's it it was it wasn't a constant thing it came and went and I lost interest and you know then I got all enthusiastic again and eventually I got the stage where I thought look I've got to finish it now I'm nearly there you know and eventually I finished it but what about the publishing process because again it's one thing actually getting the words down but then so sort of getting them edited then finding someone who's interested in taking it on and I know mm. some people now sort mm. of self self published as well but was it difficult getting it out because it, it's been on the shelf for a while you know it, it's it's been out there you've been getting responses to it was it actually difficult to get someone to actually bring it out in proper, you know, lovely, beautifully produced paperback form. Well, I didn't try to get a traditional publisher for this one. Uh, I didn't even try try because it's. I, I knew I wouldn't be able to get anybody. Mm. It's nearly impossible to get a well, you know, a good publisher to publish anything. Um, so I didn't really try that. So I, I spent a few weeks or a couple of months look, researching how you could get it, um, how you self-publish it through a self-publishing company. Um, so basically, you have to pay them. You have to put money up front, but they um, uh, help to edit the book, the mm. copy edit the book, uh, proofread it, um, make suggestions for the cover, and then they they print it and distribute it 
and give it a bit of publicity when he comes out and then you get royalties from them in the way you do from a traditional publisher um so that's how i did this one but the next thing was you know deciding to pay that money and get it done i had to i paid extra for the cover i wanted a particular cover so i had to pay um, extra money for that the price i paid at first included a cover of Mm -hmm. their really one of their kind of one of their covers from a stock photograph um so that was that but if, so eventually once i got the thing published the next thing was trying to publicize it which i did and had a little um interview here with christie as you know mm. and then i got some things in the papers and that sort of thing but what i'm trying to do now is get a bit more publicity in the in the uk because it's not a manx book it's, it's just a book for any yes, one for interested. Any so I've, I've i've got a couple of press releases written one by the publisher and one by a company that does press releases um, for people like me and I've paid for those. Um, so I'm hoping to get a little bit of publicity um, in the UK, you know, in England and elsewhere. So that's that's the latest thing. Um, but over here, I'm getting some nice little feedback from people, um, which, you know, people stop me and say they enjoyed it. So in general, I think it's I, I'm quite pleased with the response it's had. And a couple of quotes from it, I must admit. There's one I thought I've written a script there. I think there's hope for us all because you, uh, you say in the, and you describe in the book how you actually, you know, you didn't sort of sail through straight A pluses all the way through and uh, breeze in. You said it was actually rather hard work getting on with your A levels, but you suddenly decided overnight, right, I'm actually going to pull my finger out and start working. And um, well, here you are, 40 years later, having had a career yeah. in medicine and now a published author as well. So I guess that I, I, I took hope from that. You think anyone sort of reading this, thinking, you know what, it's never too late just to knuckle down and say get on with it and do it yeah the first um, the first chapter is called crossroads and that's from a comment on my school report at the end of the first term at in a at a level um, and i dug the report out about a month ago and i've got it on a little kind of powerpoint that i've given to a few people even a few talks i've got some talks lined up with wi and rotary and things but i gave a talk to u3a and they all had a good laugh at that, that report because the, my form teachers he said you know you you basically you standard of it is so poor standard of work so poor that you've now reached a crossroads um, and then he said but with your present attitude towards work um you, you haven't got a hope for success at a level and I, that's what i did i pulled my finger out and knuckled down after that that sort of shocked you into actions it, it did really yeah. and another line that caught my eye as well in some of the reviews was that uh, it's talking about the the glory days when proper anesthetics were given what does that mean then when well we, i don't want to give too much weight yeah, people need to read no the book, no but <laughs> well this was a review um by a, a consultant who was just slightly younger than me in one of the medical journals, Journal of Anesthetic Practice. Uh, and I think what he means was when, when I started, there, was no, there wasn't a lot of monitoring equipment. So you've got pulse oximeters, which anyone can buy for like £10 now. In those days, there weren't any. And then after about three years, they came along. And then we had like one oximeter for the, you know, for 10 operating theatres. And then eventually it got, gets to now where you would never dream of giving an anesthetic without a pulse oximeter. That's one thing. But the other thing was um, hanging on to face masks. You know, we'd hang on to a face mask for hours and hours. Um, and at Alder Hay Hospital, when I was there, for example, you would never put a, a, a child uh, on, a, on a ventilator, a breathing machine. You'd, you'd ventilate them by hand for, for six, eight hours. So the, the, I think that's what he's getting at. But nowadays, it's a lot easier because you have different types of airways. You can just put an airway in, then your hands are freed up. Um, so I think that's what he meant, really. He's, he's, uh, we, it, we, um, it, it was more hands-on then. Like yeah. now, literally, you put the patient to sleep, put the, get the airway sorted out, and your hands are freed up, and you never need to touch the patient again. But we had we were constantly close to them because we were hanging on to a face mask. That, that, that's what he was getting at, I think. Um, it's 
a great read. Now, I suppose, again, one thing to say, where can people get it? Is it available, as they say, in all good bookshops online, well, or where's the best place? It's available in Bridge Books mm-hmm. um, in Ramsey and Port Erin, and mostly Manx, you know, the shop in Douglas, um, she's taken some books. And the book company, um, he's going to take a few books. And I think that's pretty much it at the moment in on the island, but it's available from Amazon as a book and an e-book. Um, so there's a link online for that. Obviously, uh, it's eight ninety nine for the book, as for the yeah for the book, mm-hmm. and uh, four ninety nine for the ebook yeah. from Amazon. Uh, one question we must ask as well is, like you say, it wasn't your first outing. You'd already done your your crime book as well, and this this harks back to what you also mentioned that if you hadn't gone into medicine, you might well have been interested in becoming a barrister in criminal criminal law. So do you, do you feel again? So you know, having considered law and uh, becoming a barrister, having actually gone into medicine, having sort of swapped over in in later life and, and gone into writing a bit, do you, do you think there's another book in you? Whether that's within law or medicine, or indeed maybe a bit, a bit of a bit of both, or possibly into something in the world of fiction or whatever? Do you feel you've you've got another book, or do you think having dipped your toe thus far, you're thinking, well, that's it for now? No, I think that's it. I mean, it, like finishing my job on the last day, you know, which I've, I've said I'm, that's, I'm finished with anaesthetics. And in spite of a few people saying, you know, you need to come back and you need to... I never did. And I think with this, I've said, I don't really think I'm going to... There's nothing else I want to write about. That's the, that's the problem. Even Doubt, still available. It's a fascinating read and a real eye-opener. Spotlight, brought to you by the Isle of Man Arts Council. Now, eagle-eared... Can you be eagle-eared? No, I don't see why not. Eagle-eared listeners will be aware that this show is sponsored by the Alaman Arts Council. And as we draw towards the end of another year, I thought it might be a good time to catch up with their artistic months over the summer and autumn. And also some new funding opportunities which caught my eye, announced a few weeks back. So I dropped by to the HQ down in the Villa Arcade for a chat with Arts Development Manager Jane Corkill. Actually, uh, Jane, this was something that popped up a bit earlier in the year, but we haven't actually had a chance with one thing or another to mention it here on Spotlight. And this is the uh, 50K Creative Industries Fund for Innovation. This was announced, uh, I think, back in September. That's still ongoing? Yes, absolutely. Um, This was a new funding stream that the uh, Arts Council members have brought online. Um, Actually, it's come about um, from the COVID lockdown. Um, During COVID, the Arts Council had um, a fund, COVID resilience funding, which we offered to creatives in the community who'd had to change their offering given the situation. And what that showed the council was that there was actually uh, a demand within the community um, for in within our creative industries where people need that. It's, I would hesitate to call it seed funding, but just that small amount that maybe enables them to buy materials or a computer or something that they need in order to get their creative um, creative industry, their creative uh, whatever they're doing creatively, actually out there as something commercial. Um, because a lot of a lot of these creatives, they do want to take that step to of perhaps sell their artwork or produce a book, something like that. But they don't actually have the, the amount mm. of money just readily available to do that. So the Arts Council have come up with a uh, a fund, and it is to provide targeted support for this ex- expressly for this this purpose. It's a it's a five thousand pound one time grant um so for for creatives who are looking to you know expand what they're doing take the next step 
start their their journey on 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 that way then they can they are allowed to, or they're allowed they can hmm. um come to us and they can claim 100% of eligible costs up to a maximum of £5,000. So it's brand new, it's just come online. Um, we The funding round that we had in October, uh, we had our first couple of applicants there. But hopefully these things sometimes take a little, you know, six months or so to sort of, for people to kind of realise that they're there and that they can apply. Mm. Um, so we're very keen to hear from people that um, would like to, to have a chat to us about whether this is something that they can apply to. And is it separate to the sort of general round of funding that I know the Arts Council support throughout the year? Well, we have several funding rounds over the course of the year. Um, and within the, the funding rounds, when the applications are open, uh, you can apply for an underwrite or you can apply for just a general grant, um, travel grants. Um, we now have the film funding online and the creative industries funding as well. So you can apply um, for whichever particular funding um, stream applies to you and whatever you're doing. So where are we in the cycle with the rest of the funding rounds? Yes, the the, uh, the funding is open. Um, the next funding round for the council is the 9th of December. So the current applications will close on the 25th of November. So you simply go on online to our lovely website, which is iomarts.com. And that will guide you there to the funding page and you can have a look at that. And obviously, if you've got any questions, you can just give us a call on 694598 or email us. You can email us via the website, contact us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, anyway. carrier pigeon. <laughs> so it's, it's an easy enough process then. It's just a case it, of know, knowing you're there to be contacted. Absolutely. It's a really easy process. And um, as a team, we're always really happy to talk to applicants or people who think that they may fit into the the arts council funding we we have people ringing up saying i've got this idea um i'm not sure and there's nothing we like better than to meet with people to have a chat and to find out just how the arts council funding may help them people come to us sometimes with one idea and then by the time we've all sat and had a chat and talked it through we've we've perhaps worked out exactly how and is the best way for them to move forward often so for example the underwrites are for events where people are making an income so in effect anything that's ticketed uh, people sometimes will come and ask us about a grant or a travel grant to bring some somebody over for for an event when actually they're best suited for the underwrite so the best thing is for people to just give us a shout and we're based here in the villa marina arcade people can just stick their head in the door and drop on in we, yes have a chat yeah absolutely <laughs> absolutely yeah and while we're here because we haven't had a chat for a while coming towards the end of the calendar year uh, in uh, late october november now as we're speaking a busy year and uh, is this where the sort of planning starts for next year or is that already taken care of well it's always busy uh, and we have had a very busy year we're still slightly recovering from from louis theroux being over uh, terrific yeah it was wonderful packed, he, absolutely packed absolutely out. packed every single seat it sold out in about 12 minutes and he was an absolute joy to to, to have over he was and just christy's still talking about it i know she did a wonderful <laughs> job and she i think yeah it's one of the been the highlights of her life in recent years well yeah he was he was terrific um so that was really busy and the week before we had Louis here we had a quintet over from the Royal Northern College of Music who were um, 
in uh, the schools, um, they were playing Peter and the Wolf uh, to all the year one um, children around the island primaries. So that was a busy week. Uh, we've obviously had the Halle Orchestra over this year. We have brass band seasons. We have all manner of things that go on. So we've just finally got to the point, I think, where we're sort of catching our breath. But we have got um, an Arts Council strategy meeting coming up next week. And uh, we're already looking at potential guests for next year's lecture. Uh, I think Louis will be a hard act to follow, but nevertheless, we will do our best. And other plans for the next year. So it's always ongoing. There's always things going on. But right now, it's, it's nice and quiet. <laughs> There's always something going on down at the Arts Council, even when, as it's claimed by Jane, it's quiet. That email again to get in contact, iomartscouncil.com at gov.im Some music. If you're a fan of the vibrant local music scene, then you probably already tune into the Live Lounge here on Manx Radio 5 to 7 on Saturday evenings with Christy Dehaven. If not, why not? Where the equally vibrant Christy has all manner of live guests in her studio, all prominent on the local scene, oft further abroad and usually loaded with musical instruments for a live number or two crammed into the studio. Last week, Steve Nash and company joined her for a chat and some music, and we also had a sneak preview of the forthcoming album, whose title alone caught my ear, Without the Grape, There Is No Wine. Here he is with Games. Feeling like a jigsaw pieces falling from the box A puzzle somewhere incomplete Hid away up in the loft We all need help to climb sometimes We all need help to stand Like paper clips or ring binders Held together by elastic bands When it all just falls apart You can piece it back together When the sun makes way for rain Then learn to change the weather Without the rain the clouds won't leave Without the wind the trees won't leave Without the moon the stars won't shine Without the grain there is no We all need help to smile sometimes, we all need help to breathe When birds light up the morning sun, suddenly the bad times leave Feeling like a game of chess, but somehow seems to be a mess You are the king, you are the queen, your life is your magazine When it all just falls apart, you can piece it back together When the sun makes way for rain They learn to change the weather Without the rain the clouds won't leave Without the wind the trees won't leave Without the moon the stars won't shine Without the grain there is no one 
Without the moon, the stars won't shine. Without the grape, there is no wine. That's about it for this week. Don't forget, if you want to hear anything again, go to maxradio.com, download the Spotlight podcast, listen where you want. Why not try it whilst making your Christmas pudding? It is that time of year. We'll be back next week when we'll be catching up, hopefully, with local poet Annie Kizik, who has a new book out. Mind how you go, stay creative, and I'll see you then. Cheerio. <laughs>